invite you to grab your Bible or your iPad or your iPhone or your Android device. We're going to study God's Word for the next few minutes. And um, I have one Sunday before the fall starts, okay? So I've been praying about what God wanted me to share with you right before the fall starts. And um, inside your worship guide, of course, there's an outline. And I'm going to invite you to pull that out, but I'm also going to invite you to grab a pen because... um, when you see that I've got eight points, you'll go, oh my goodness, how long are we going to be here today, okay? But also, um, what I'm trying to teach you today, I can't teach in three points, okay? I have to teach in a little, little, little longer passage, but what I want to help teach you today and help teach me and help us be together, I want to talk about the church. And I'm going to be inviting you to, in the scriptures we're going to be reading, to underline and to circle and maybe to write out in the margin some notes that I don't even say, but God whispers over you. So I hope you'll be ready with, some, with a pen in hand and your notes in front of you and maybe a Bible that you can read along with me in whatever passage you choose to read. We'll have the scripture up on the screen. Well, today I want to talk with you about the church. Um, now, the reason I want to talk with you about the church is because I've been in ministry for a good long while, and um, I know seasons of ministry, and I just want to speak over you what I believe is about to happen in our church. I believe through my prayer and through what I'm seeing in you, I believe that God is about to do an explosive thing in our church this fall season. I think something phenomenal is about to happen in our midst. And I want to talk to you about that and how that happens and what to expect from it, but what we have to do to be the church God has called us to be. Now, if you're kind of new here to Harvest Point, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, this is a great place, and the more you hang out here, you'll realize it's a really great place. But if you're not new here at all, or if you've been here just a short while, welcome to the family. We, we are the church, and um, I want to talk to you today about what it means to be church. So before I even make it to my outline, let me tell you some, some observations I have about church, okay? Now, when I talk about church today, I am not talking about the local church. I'm not talking about a building. And if any church knows that church ain't a building, it ought to be Harvest Point. Because forever we didn't have a building. I mean, we moved from place to place to place. And the, the running joke was, uh, you know, we're going to keep leaving the dumb people behind. The smart people can find us. You know, that, we were just moving all over the place all the time until God finally gave us a home. But what we learned in that process is something very true, very biblical. The church is not a building, right? Say Amen. Yeah, so the church ain't a building. What is the church? The church is people. The church are people who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who've given themselves to Christ. That's what church is. Now, here's the cool thing about church. Why don't you think about this? The church is eternal. The church is not going to die. The church is not going to stop being in existence. The church are blood-bought Christ followers who will live on forever. Now, here's what I want you to know about church that you might get confused on. When we talk about the local church, one of the things I want you to understand about the local church, and this was hard for me to kind of understand, and it, and it took a little while, is that local churches will not live forever, okay? Does that make sense? Can I tell you how I learned that? I went to Corinth, all right? I literally got on the jet plane, and I went to the, the city of Corinth, and I wanted to see the Corinthian church. I read so much about the Bible. And when I got there, I realized there is no church that was the Corinthian church. They don't exist anymore. Now, the church, capital C, all those Christ followers, naturally, they live on. But any local church, a local church, a building, 
that will only have a certain life cycle. And I remember walking around the city of Corinth going, wow, so local churches don't last forever, but the church lasts forever. That was eye-opening to me. And then I thought about, now I understand. Because a few years before that, I had been in Europe, and I remember going to London, and, and I went to St. Paul's Cathedral, phenomenal cathedral, beautiful, and I saw all the artistry and all the Gothic work. It's beautiful. It's an amazing thing. And then I ask about the church. And if you know this, in Europe, there was just a little small group of people that are huddled there. It's not, it doesn't have the great numbers of people. It doesn't have the great fame it used to. It doesn't have all of the support that it used to. It's an empty shell of a building, and the local church there has dwindled to almost nothing. Why? Why would that happen? Well, the answer to the question is, literally, it's that church, that local church there, St. Paul's Cathedral, and a lot of those other churches throughout Europe, that church had stopped doing what they one time did, and that church had lost the glory of the Lord, and that church had gotten cold and stale, and somewhere along the way they had lost their way, and that building became more of a building than it became a gathering of Christ followers to meet in. Does that make any sense to you? So what I want you to understand is the local church, is, I mean, not, the local church doesn't live forever, but the church, capital C, will live on and on and on for eternity. And that's me and that's you. That's anybody who is a Christ follower who's given their life to Christ. Now, you might ask the question, hey, Stephen, why, what makes a church vibrant and what makes a church grow? What makes a, church, a local church, what makes it powerful and vibrant and what makes it see all the blessings of God? And the answer, you just had it in the question, the blessing of God is what brings power and vibrancy to a church. So that's what I'm going to, you see that sermon title? Today I want to talk to you about what kind of church a God blesses. Because God blesses, because here's the deal. We, you, me, I believe we want to be in a church that's blessed of God. Let me tell you what happens when you're in a church that is blessed by God. Marriages are saved. People are saved for eternity. Life change happens. People grow up. Young people become disciples. Phenomenal things happen when God's hand of blessing is on a local church. And I want our experience to be that we are seeing God's hand of blessing on us. And so one of the things I want you to understand is one of my greatest fears for this church, I don't even know that I have fears, my greatest fear for this church is that one day we would not be under the blessing of God that we would not be seeing God's favor and his blessing over our church. To this moment in our lives, we have felt and seen God's blessing over our church. But we, we have to, my prayer is that we will continue to walk in that blessing of God. But in order for that to happen, you have to say, okay, what, how does the church lose the blessing of God? And here's the answer to that question. They stop doing the things that God put us on the planet to do. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. The church that God blesses is a church that understands why God put them on the planet, and they're doing the things that God called the church to do. And so this fall, I think this fall is going to be a phenomenal season for us, and I think it's going to move even into 2017. I think you're going to see things you've probably never seen before here at Harvest Point, but here's the deal. It will not happen without the blessing of God, and it will not happen if the church is not doing the things that God called the church to do, the, the reason he put us on the planet. And so today... Um, I wanna, I'm going to talk about the fall, and I'm going to talk from Acts 2. So I hope I invite you, if you've got your Bible, you want to turn with me to Acts 2 right now. We're actually going to start in Acts 1 and then move in Acts 2. We're going to study the first church. We're going to study the early church. We're going to study how the church birthed and was booming and, and it was born. 
But what we're going to do is we're going to glean from that story the things they were doing that had the blessing of God on it, okay? The things they were doing made the blessing of God pour out over them. And together, we are going to learn about the church, the kind of church that God blesses. Now, if you are a leader here at Harvest Point, I want to ask you to do me a favor, all right? If you lead a small group, if you leave a ministry, if you're a staff person, no matter who you are, if you are a leader in our church, these are the most important notes that I want you to hold on to. If you've ever taken notes in our church today, take no, ever take notes today, and I want you to hold on to these, okay? All right? So would you, let's begin my prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, in the next few minutes as I read about this cosmic, mystical, phenomenal work you did in the birth of the early church in Acts 2, would you help our minds to understand what it really means to be the church, capital C, together, and yet what it also means to be operational in this community as the local church? And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be on mission in such a way as we are doing the things you put the church on the planet to do, and that we are we're seeing your hand of favor over our church. So teach us now. We're here before you, Lord. Show us what you did then and show us how you want it to happen today. And I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so going to go kind of fast because I got eight points, right? So watch this. To receive God's blessing and God's favor. You see that big black box at the top there? To receive God's blessings, we must. I'm going to share eight things that we've got to do to walk in the blessings and the favor of God as a church. And the first one is this, and the most important one is this. Write this one down. The first one we have to do, we must do, is we must pray for God's power. Write that down. A church that is a praying church is a church that is a powerful church. And I want to teach you that in the next few minutes, but that's the very first thing. It's not number two or number eight on your outline or number four. It's number one. The church that wants to receive God's blessing must pray for God's power. It's the starting point. Now, you remember the story, right? After Jesus had died and then he was resurrected, he told his followers to go wait in an an upper room. You remember that? And they waited there. And what did they do while they waited? They prayed. They prayed for God's spirit because he told them he would send his spirit on them. They prayed for God's power and his spirit. Now, they didn't know what it was going to look like when it showed up. They had no idea. But they stayed in that room, about 125 of them, and they started praying. Look what the Bible says in Acts 1.14. They continually met together to pray as a group with one purpose in mind. What was that purpose? They were asking God, praying for the spirit that Jesus had told them he was going to send their way. They didn't know what it looked like, but they were praying for the power of God. Now, here's what I want you to get. Hey, look up for your notes for a minute. Here's what I want you to get. They were going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, I want you to think about what that means for a minute. The church is the only church, capital C, born again believers, right? The church is is the only entity on the planet that gets the Holy Spirit, okay? Grasp what I just said. Delta doesn't get the Holy Spirit, okay? Microsoft and Apple don't get the Holy Spirit. General Motors does not get the Holy Spirit. The only entity on the planet that gets the Holy Spirit is the church. Now think about that for a minute. Now what is the task of the church? Well, the church has a lot of jobs to do, but the number one task of the church is to populate heaven with God's lost things. That's the number one job of the church. And here's the deal. That's a huge task, wouldn't you agree? Populate heaven with God's lost things? So here's the deal. We need power. We need power. We need the Holy Spirit's power if we're going to populate heaven because it's the number one job of the church. 
And so we are the only entity that has the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need that power. So here's the question. You might want to write out to the side of your margin. How do you get power in your life? How do you get power in your family? How do you get power in your marriage? How do you get power in your church? The answer is simply this. It's not rocket science. Prayer brings power. You might want to write that three, those three words down somewhere. Prayer brings power. I'm going to say that differently. If you are praying a lot, you're going to have a lot of power. And if you're praying a little, you're going to have a little bit of power. And if you're not praying, you're not going to have power. Because prayer brings power. Am I making any sense? When they started to pray, the power came. The power was not going to come without them praying and asking for the Holy Spirit, okay? So watch what happens. And you remember this story, right? Acts chapter 2, here we go, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, I'm going to ask you to circle three things here. Suddenly, a noise, circle that, a noise, like a strong blowing wind. By the way, that's interesting that the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, was saying, I don't even know how to explain it, so I've got to do a like. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a mighty, kind of like a hurricane, kind of like a tornado came through the place. It was a, a mighty rushing wind. It was like that, okay? It was a noise. That's what it was, but it was like a strong and, and wind. It came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were seated, seated. And then they, watch this, circle these three words. They saw something like flames, something like flames lit on every one of their heads. Interestingly enough, Luke still doesn't have the words for it. He's like, it wasn't fire. You understand that, right? It wasn't fire. He said it was, it was something like fire. I mean, something went on every... Now, how weird is that? Isn't that weird? I mean, can you imagine that actually happening in here like, whoa. I mean, I'd have a hard time praying. I'd be like, oh, check out Joel over there. You know, I mean, be, it's kind of weird, right? So a noise came. That's power, right? Then something like fire lit on top of every one of them. Don't even know what that would be like. And then watch this. The third thing. It says um, something like fire where they, they were separated and they stood over each person there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak different languages. Circle that one. Two words. Different languages. So there was a noise. It's kind of like a loud wind. There was, a, there was stuff on people's head. It's kind of like fire. And then all of a sudden, everybody started speaking different languages. And then it says this. By the way, I'm not going to ask you to circle it because I told you only three things, but underline this one. By the power. You see that? This all happened by the power of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit was giving to them. They got power. Why? Because they were praying. Can I just hit the pause button for a minute, a little time out? Today I'm talking to you about the church. But can I, just, can I just mention, whatever your greatest need in your life is, whatever is that you need direction on, if that's a job, if that's a relationship, if that's you know, a worry, whatever you need in your life, whatever your greatest need is, that's what you need to hear from this message today. Number one, before we even get deeper in the message, number one, power comes from prayer. A lot of prayer, you got a lot of power because you got the Holy Spirit. A little bit of prayer or even no prayer, and you're lacking. It starts the church that God blesses is a church that understands the power of prayer and they are praying for the power of God to show up. <laughs> Can I just pause for a minute and say, would you join me in praying for that this fall? Would you join me? Because I think there are some people who are lost out there that are going to come in here and find Christ and we need God's power 
to really see them come all the way to Christ, all right? Let's pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Write this one down. Another thing that, the, that, that, that is the blessing um, that we must, we must do to receive God's blessing is first, we, number two, we must use everybody's language. We must use everybody's language. Now, I want to explain this to you, and I want to, I want to help explain your role in this, okay? So I'm going to explain what happened there, but I'm also going to explain how that affects you. So the number one job that we have as Christ followers, as the church, is to get the word out, right? And these Christians, they know Jesus has died. They know that Jesus is resurrected. They're in a little upper room. When they receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the first thing they do is they begin to go out of that place and they start telling people about the resurrected Christ. The number one job of the church is to get the word out to people who don't know Christ. Now, so watch what happened. It says language had something to do with this. Acts 2, 4. They all began to speak different languages as the Spirit gave each of them the power to express themselves. Okay, Stephen, explain that. Okay, first of all, let me help you understand this. We are not talking about what's spoken of in 1 Corinthians as uh, glossolalia or speaking in tongues. Or that, that is a different work here going on, okay? But I want to help you understand, 1 Corinthians talks about a prayer language that is edifying of the believer. This is not, this, this is not an edifying moment. This, this is a witness moment. So what I want you to understand about the language is when I say the language, they started speaking languages, okay? They started speaking languages that other people could hear, literally different languages. They started, they started speaking in different languages that other people throughout the city could hear. Read what the Bible says in that next passage. It says, they, there were religious Jews staying in Jerusalem who had come from every country in the world. That's interesting. When they, when they heard the noise, a large crowd gathered. You ever wonder, maybe that's why the noise was there? You ever think about that? When they heard the noise, maybe the noise was them talking in tongues, or maybe that noise was like that mighty rushing wind. When they heard the noise, a large crowd gathered. They were all excited because all of them heard the believers talking in their own languages. And in amazement and wonder, they exclaimed, these people who are talking like this are Galileans. How is it then that all of us are hearing them speaking in our own native languages, our own native languages? It's languages, okay? So this is what's going on. God, basically, what is God doing? God is reversing the curse of Genesis chapter 11. You remember what happened in Genesis 11? The people tried to build a tower so tall that they would be like God. We call that the Tower of Babel, right? God said, uh-uh, you ain't that big, all right? And what he did was he, he cursed that and he, he sent languages in there and basically they all went off, according to Genesis 11, uh, with their own tribes, according to their own languages and they started populating the whole earth, all right? He is reversing the curse of Genesis 11. He's bringing all people in one spot and he's sharing all the languages at one time about the resurrected Christ, that Christ came, died, and he, he is alive forevermore. He is Messiah. And now what does this have to do with you? Number one, what I want you to understand is that there, understand, two things. Write this one down. Can you write this one down? This will help you. No, two things. Number one, there are only, there, there are people that only you can reach. Have you ever thought about that? It's kind of sobering. I don't know if you want to think about that, okay? But there are people that only you can reach. And here's the second thing I want you to know. You speak more languages than you know. Come on, Stephen. I took Spanish back in high school. I don't speak languages anymore. Yeah, I only speak English. No, you don't. You speak more languages than you know, 
and there are people out there that only you can reach. I just wrote myself, I was, I was doing uh, my, my, my private time this morning, and I just started writing down languages that you and I know. And I'm going to come down to the main floor because I want you to raise your hand if you know some of these languages. And I want you to tell me how many of you speak these languages. Raise your hand if you've been the mom of a preschooler before. Just raise up your hand real quickly. Do you know the language of moms? Yeah, let me see all those. Hey, come on, come on. Moms of preschoolers. You know the language of moms, don't you? You know motherhood. You know what it's like to have a preschooler. Yeah, that's a language. You speak that language? A lot of you speak language of moms. Hey, how many of you out there, raise your hand if you would say, I know electronics, I know computers, I know IT, I kind of like all that stuff. Raise up your hand real quickly. There's not as many of y'all as those moms, right? But th- these people right here, they speak geek, okay? That's what they speak. And, and we don't understand all that, but that's what they speak. Another one that I wrote down, golf. Anybody speak golf? Yeah, some of you guys, you, you know stuff, you can speak golf, and other people can't speak golf. How about this one? Anybody speak retirement? Yeah! <laughs> Halfway retirement. Yeah, some of and you guys who speak retirement, I can't speak retirement, okay? I don't know that world yet, okay? You speak retirement, and other people don't speak that. I got a few here, okay? How many of you speak sales? Just raise up your hand if you speak sales. You know sales, all right? There are some people who speak sales, and you can communicate to them through that language. How about this one? Raise your hand if you know what a, if you, if you, I mean, don't, not like you've heard of it before, but you really know what it is. If you know what a carburetor is and a header, why don't you just raise your hand? I don't have a clue what a header is. Seriously. I don't even know what that is. But some of you guys, what is that? It's a mechanic, right? Some of you guys are mechanics and you speak that language. I don't speak that language. And here's what I want to remind you of, even before I go any further. There are people that only you can reach, and you speak more languages than you think you speak. How many of you speak math? Raise up your hand real quickly. Yeah, nobody understands what y'all speak. But um, uh, how, many, how many of you are artists and musicians? Raise up your hand. Ra- raise them high. Look at all these artists and musicians. I mean, some of you guys, y'all, I mean, those, some of you guys, musicians, y'all know stuff about clefs and trebles and tempos and crescendos and decrescendos. Y'all know stuff. You have a whole language that you can share that other people don't have. Here, you, you speak more languages than you realize. How many of you speak baseball? Raise your hand up. Put those down. How many of you speak basketball? Raise up your hand real quickly. Yes, some of you speak basketball. Not as many, but how many of you speak crafts? Just raise up your hand if you like crafts. Look at that. It's crazy. Crafts? Really? That many people? How many of you? This one's going to be way out there. Anybody here speak hip-hop culture? Raise up your hand. Oh, my son. All right. Yeah. A few of y'all. I see you, Emily. Yeah, you can speak hip-hop, all right? Now, one more, just a couple more. Anybody speak blogs? Anybody speak blogs? Anybody? Yeah, there we go, a few of y'all. All right, good. Yeah, here's the point, and I'm going to get very serious for a minute, okay? On that day in Pentecost, God sent these people out, and they started speaking all these different languages, and the people who were there did not expect Galileans to speak their language, and all of a sudden, they started hearing the, hearing the good news in ears that they didn't think they could hear that, and then they were blown away by hearing languages that they didn't expect to hear it. Now, let me get real practical. And I'm not being firestone and, I mean, fire and brimstone for a minute. I'm not. I'm going to get real, though. There are people that you and I live and work around every day that the truth of the matter is they're going to hell. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. Their life is in shambles. They're trying to do everything on their own. And the truth of the matter is they're going to hell. And God loves them, and God doesn't want them to go to hell, but God ain't going to come down to him by himself and speak. He put me and you on the planet to speak their language and to go tell them about Jesus. And there are people that only you can reach. And you speak more languages than you think you can speak. And all I'm saying is, listen, 
That day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God built a bridge, and he started sharing in all kinds of different languages. And did you know that right in this congregation, there are so many different languages that we've got right here? I mean, some of you guys speak biker. Go speak biker. Go speak biker and build a bridge and try to share the love of Jesus. I mean, some of you guys, y'all speak hunting, all right? Build a bridge with a hunting buddy and start trying to share that message of God's love with them. Every Every language that you speak can be a bridge. Let me go back. The church that God blesses, the church that God, God, God we, we pray for God's power to show up. But also, the church where, that God blesses is a church where everybody starts speaking their language and they start sharing through their language, whatever their language is, the good news about Christ. Now write this one down. Number three. Got to go a little bit faster, okay? The third one is this. Every, we, uh, the church that God blesses is a church that must employ every member's talents. Must employ every member's talents. So I'm going to say that a little differently. It, it means your talent, all right? It means whatever you can do, we try to bring that to bear and we try to use that. Now, think about this. In the first church, I want to write this down. This is pretty cool. I don't know if you ever thought about it. In the first church, there was 100% participation, all right? Nobody on that day when the Holy Spirit showed up said, Ooh, this is weird, not me. I'm going to just bow out here. I'm going to go to lunch. Y'all go share it, okay? That day, the Bible says every one of them were touched to the Holy Spirit, and they began, it was 100, everybody was involved. Nobody sat the sidelines. Everybody said, me, I'm going to be a part of this thing that God is doing. There were no spectators that day. Read it with me. It says, then Peter, it was such an amazing thing. The Bible says, then Peter stood up, and he had to explain it, by the way. He said, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm glad some of you laughed because he's kind of like a joke he put in the first sermon, okay? He said, they're not drunk. This is a God thing. He says, he says God says, and he goes back to an Old Testament prophecy. He says, God says, I will pour out my spirit on everyone. Would you underline six things for me real quickly? When I raise up my hand, you'd underline this word, okay? Your sons. Underline sons. Daughters. Your sons and your daughters will proclaim my message. Your young men, young men are going to see visions. Old men, old men are going to have dreams. That's four things you underline. Yes, even on my servants, both men, underline men, and women, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will all proclaim my message, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, Peter is going back to the prophet Joel, and he's saying, this is everybody. Listen, this, is, this thing's going to be, un, it's going to unleash, it's going to go on everybody. Everybody's going to be able to share the good news of Christ. By the way, the question there is, who was excluded? And the answer is, nobody. It was on girls and boys and young men and old men. It was everybody. Everybody gets involved, all right? Everybody is involved. Can I just beg of you something? I think God's got a good work. He's going to do this fall. But if you really want to walk in the blessing of a church, it means you don't need to sit the sidelines. You need to find somewhere to get plugged in, all right? Cool. I was, I was, all week long, I was thinking to myself, how can I get them to get this? And my mind went back to this past fall when me and my son went to a Clemson ball game. And I want to show you what happened. I was going to put a video up here real quickly. I've never seen it done before, okay? But at a Clemson ball game, um, there was a bunch of people there, and they started doing the wave, Okay? Now, the cool thing about the wave that they were doing was they used their phones. Remember back at concerts, we used to, you know, the, the lighters and stuff? That people don't do that anymore. Now they do their phones, right? They did, so at the Clemson game, they started doing their phones. Now, every one of them, you know everybody in that stadium's got a phone. Isn't that true? 
Everybody the same. They started doing the wave in slow motion with phones. This is real time, slow motion, never seen it before. I thought it was the coolest thing. I'm sitting there amazed. We were like, wow. And then all of a sudden, when it gets back over here, we're, we're right here next to it's going to go fast motion. Boom! And it's going to start circling the stadium fast. It was the cool. I never, I never seen it done before. And uh, that thing took off. It was amazing. But here's the cool thing. The, the football players are not even on the field. They're in timeout. They're all on the sidelines, but the fans are involved. They're like, this is so cool. Every one of them said, I might not be playing football. Nobody might be hitting me, but check me out. Whoa. You know, and everybody was involved. Guys, when I, I was trying to think this week, I said, how can I get them to understand that? If you want to be a part of church, a church that God blesses, you got to understand how much God blesses when there's 100% participation. When we're all saying, count me in. What can I do? Where are my talents? I'm going to give my, I'm, I'm in the game. All right, I didn't just come to watch. I didn't come to be a spectator. I'm in. And Peter, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, Peter is the one who said, listen, this is supposed to be for everybody. This is young men and old people. But Stephen, I'm too old. I really can't have a lot to offer more. Shut your mouth. You're not. All right? Young men and old men. And old women, young women, old women. And, and, and children and boys and girls. And everybody can be involved. And I believe, I believe I believe the church God that God blesses, the church that prays for the power of God, is a church they start speaking the language, whatever languages God's given them to them, and telling people about Jesus. And I, and I firmly believe it's a church where people start plugging in. Write this one down. Got to go a little bit faster. Number four, uh, a church that God blesses is a church that's devoted to God's word. They are devoted to God's word. They hear it, they read it, they study it, they memorize it, they meditate on it. They know God's word, they're studying God's word. God's word is something they are building their lives on. In Acts 2.42, it says it this way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, Stephen, what is the apostles' teaching? Well, it's the Bible. The apostles are the one who wrote the Bible for us. We don't have them here to teach. And listen, I am not an apostle, okay? Don't devote yourself to my teaching. Devote yourself to God's word, Okay? God's word, they devoted themselves to God's word. And that's where, that's, I think God blesses that. We've said here at Harvest Point, by the way, if you're new here, let me teach you core value number one today, okay? Core value number one at this church is, is we value God's word. Would you say that with me real quickly? We value God's word. It's the number one thing. If you mess that up, everything else is all messed up. It's got the wrong priorities. Number one around here is God's word. By the way, that's why when I preach, I'm sorry, I'm kind of sorry, but I'm not really not. When I preach, I don't like preaching five minutes, okay? My son, I, I, I got a, a comedian for a son, and he says, Dad, my favorite church is my Grandma's church because we go there and the preacher stands up about three minutes. He's done. I, I, and he's kind of kidding, but he's kind of not because he knows how long ago. But when we study God's Word, we go verse by verse, or we're running. We cover a lot of Word together, okay, guys? Now, you're here probably because you value that. We value God's Word. And I believe God blesses a church that is devoted to God's Word. Let me just say this real quickly. If you don't know this, when, this is such an important core value at this church. When we laid the foundation of this building, right under this concrete, we planted a Bible in the rebar of this church. And we prayed that this church would always be a church founded on the Word of God. It's that important. And that no matter who the preacher was, that as a church, we would always be centered on God's Word. Because here's what I know. God blesses the church that is devoted to his word. God blesses the family that is devoted to God's word. God blesses the life that is devoted to his word. If you want to walk in the blessing of God, 
understand number four. Devotion to God's word, bring God's blessing, okay? I'm halfway through, all right? Praying for God's power, right? We're speaking a language. Everybody's involved. Everybody's given whatever talent and gift they've got. And together, we are devoting ourselves to the teaching of God's word. Flip that outline over, and let's share, let me share a few more. To receive God's blessing, we must, number five, love each other deeply. In my outline, I just wrote family. By the way, this is huge, because Jesus said, right before he left the planet, Jesus said, they'll know you're Christians. They'll know you're Christians by your love for one another. That's how they're going to know. By the way, Christians in the, in the first century, and the second and the third century, loved each other so deeply, it confused the Roman Empire. They saw Christians having each other's back, loving each other so much, and dying for each other, literally becoming martyrs for each other, that they began writing in their historical documents, I don't understand these Christians. These Christians don't make sense. They love each other so much. Jesus said, the world will know you're my, you're my, you're my followers by your love for one another. By the way, the early church loved each other big time. They loved each other. They had each other's back. They were devoted to one another. I don't care what you call that. You can call that fellowship. You can call that, you know, Greek word koinonia, the called out ones. You can call that uh, family. I call it family a lot, okay? Whenever I write an email, I talk about our faith family. I think it's family. And I think God blesses the faith family who really loves each other. Read what the Bible says in Acts 2.42. They took part in the fellowship. They took part in the fellowship and sharing in meals and praying together. They were like, Acts 2.42, the CEV version. They were like family to each other. Look at Acts 2.42, the, the today's English version. All the believers continued together in close fellowship. None of them bowed out. None of them said, hey, I'm going to take a break right now. They continued in that fellowship together. See, here, here's what I'm saying. Back then, Christianity was known because of its love. That's why Christianity was known. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Christianity in America is known for its love? See, when a lot of people in America think about Christianity, they think about what Christians are against or for. They don't necessarily think about how much we love each other. And the truth of the matter was, Jesus' plan would be they would know that we are Christians because we love each other so much. So I would say to you, The church that God blesses is a church that is loving each other and learning how to love each other more, and they are devoted to one another. They they are family together. We are family, a part of the family together. It says, uh, Acts 2.42, they lived in wonderful harmony. God's blessed our church with unity. It's not something we've done. We've got got harmony in this place, and unity, it's because of God. We love each other because of God's blessings. Thank thank the Lord for the unity and the harmony, right? Look at that next one, Acts 2.46. They met in small groups and homes for communion, and they shared meals with great joy and thanksgiving. You know what it also says here? I mean, I'm, it doesn't say this in this place, but there are like five different scriptures in the New Testament that said every time they started getting together, they kissed each other. Did you ever see that one? Come on, you saw that, right? Right? You've seen that? I mean, there were men kissing men, and women, men, men kissing women, and women kissing men, and there were women kissing women. Was, I, now, we don't do that anymore. You don't want to do that? We don't do that anymore. And did you know that stopped in the 4th century because a bishop in the Catholic Church basically stopped it for everybody? It was all about the lust of the kiss and all that. But you know what we do do? Shouldn't have said it that way. You know what we do? You know what we do? We do what I call holy hugging. Now, some of you might not like holy hugging, okay? But if you come up to me, I'm going to holy hug you, okay? And that's just the truth. Now, I can tell the person who don't like holy hugging because they get all bristly underneath and I won't hug you too long, all right? But I think God blesses holy hugging. 
because that's part of the family of God. I've had people tell me before, they come to Harvest Point, that when they come to this church, it's, it, this is kind of scary, but it's true, that the physical touch and the affection they get at this church is the only time they get that all week long. It breaks my heart. But it's a clarion call for who we're supposed to be as the family of God. We need to love on each other that way, all right? So if you ain't a holy hugger, get to hugging, all right? That's kind of the message of point number five. We are family together, and I think God blesses the church that loves each other and loves each other deeply. Number six, write this one down for me, if you will. Number six, we, I think God blesses the church that worships with joy. I think God blesses the church that worships with joy. I'll say it a little differently. When we get together, it's supposed to be a festival. It's not supposed to be a funeral. I'm tired of going to churches. I grew up in one where it was a funeral dirge every week. You know, it was sad, you know. I'm going to say it differently. We're, when we get together, it's supposed to be a celebration. It ain't supposed to be a commiseration. Oh, my week was bad. How about yours? Oh, my week was worse. You know, that's not the way it's supposed to be, okay? When we get together, it ought to be fun. It ought to be explosion of worship. We ought to celebrate because guess what? He's taken our sins away and we get to live forever with him. Yeah, the word, world might be kicking my tail this week, but guess what? Tomorrow is coming, right? And when we get together, I think there should be an explosion of joy and worship when we get together. Now, why, one of the reasons, by the way, the church, churches, local churches die is because they forget to start how to have fun, they get cold, and they forget how to really worship the Lord together. I'm serious, guys. They forget how to worship. The Bible says in Acts 2, 46, they continued to worship together in the temple courts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Acts 2, 28, you've shown me the paths that lead to life, and your presence fills me with joy. It doesn't fill me with sadness. Your presence fills me with joy. Acts 2.26, because of this, my heart will be glad, my words will be joyful, and I will live in hope. Right there in Acts chapter 2, we hear joy, 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 joy over and over again. So why do we come to worship? Two, two reasons, real quickly. Number one, you need recharging. You need recharging. You're out there working all week long. You're doing your thing, and you need somebody to come in here and boost your battery up. By the way, many of you know this. My favorite movie in the whole world, Rocky Balboa, right? Rocky. Not, not the Rocky Balboa, but the Rocky 1, 2, 3, and especially 4. All right, Rocky. Rocky is my favorite movie. And I think about worship kind of like Rocky. I mean, Rocky goes out there with the Russian. He gets the stew beat out of him. And Rocky sits back over there in the corner. You know, he's bleeding. Cut me. Cut me, Mick. You know, he's over there bleeding. And, and he's like, oh, you know. And they're saying, go back out there and do this and that. And before, like, the 30 seconds is over, Rocky's like, up, all right. You know, and dum da dum da dum 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 You know, and, and he's ready to fight again. That's what worship is, guys. Number one reason we come to worship is mainly because we want to give God glory, but it recharges our batteries. That's big. And the second thing is, when the church sees us, when, I'm sorry, when lost people see us in worship, they take notice. I'll say it differently. When they see you at the golf course on Sunday mornings, they take notice of that too. When lost people see us going to church and worshiping, then that gives them a reason to examine our lives a little bit deeper. And they pay attention when we're worshiping. I believe the, God, the church that God blesses is a church that worships with joy. A couple last more. Um, I'm not going to talk about these at length, but number six. I'm sorry, number seven. The church that God blesses is a church that God, uh, that, that where, where people are willing to sacrifice. People are sacrificing. That early church, they began sacrificing for one another. They began to give one another. They were generous. The Bible says in Acts 2, 44 and 45, all the believers shared everything with each other. They would sell their land and the things they owned. They'd give the money to anyone who has need. In Acts 2, 46, they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Great joy and generosity. 
Now, I could tell you story upon story upon story about how people at Harvest Point. Somebody got a coin? Who's got a coin? Throw me a coin. Somebody got a coin. I can tell you story after story. Nobody's going to change. Uh, story after story after story about people in our church who've been generous and who have done sacrificial, incredibly sacrificial things. Thank you. Huge coin. Wow. Um, everybody can see that. I, I, like I planted it with you or something. Um, I could tell you a lot of stories, but here's what I want to tell you. When we were planning this church, when I was starting out, we didn't have a soul except for my wife and my three kids. That was all we had. And God was calling us to come to Henry County Plant Church. God clearly told me that if you boiled all that we're going to try to do down together to, to the most simplest common denominator, it comes down to two sides of a coin that we need to love really well. The greatest commandment in the whole world is that we would be lovers, that we would love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would love each other and our neighbors as ourselves. It comes down to love. And if you have a church that's not filled with love, that was, by the way, point number five, then it's not a church that God's going to bless, right? But the other one was a church that gives, a generous church, because Acts 2 is a generous church. And if we can be a loving church and a giving church to our community, I believe God will bless us, guys. And that hadn't changed. Hadn't changed. It all boils down to a simple coin, all right? Be an incredible loving church and be a credible giving church. Now, number eight, write this one down real quickly. Number eight, the church that God blesses is a church that brings their friends to Jesus. These people began bringing people over and over and over again to Jesus. And this is, this is what's important. Uh, let me read the scriptures real quickly and I'll share a couple of final thoughts. The Bible says in Acts 2.40, those who accepted his message were baptized. Peter preached the message and some of them accepted it and they were baptized that day. And about 3,000 were added that day. Whoa, is that incredible or what? That day, about 3,000. And then look at Acts 2.47 um, from the message version. People liked what they saw. So every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. They if you got your pen, underline those words, the message version, they liked what they saw. They liked what they saw. And then finally, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and in the ends of the earth. Kind of like what he was saying right there was, was you're going to be my witnesses here in your local city and then in your county and in your state and in your nation and to the world. That's who you can be, but you've got to receive my power to do it. You know, earlier today I spoke about that friend that's going to hell. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to start praying for that friend. I want you to start praying for that family member. And I want to invite you sometime this fall to bring them to church. I want to invite you to bring, and, and, and we will do our best to show them something that they'll say, I like what I saw. I like what I saw. And we believe that Jesus will get their ear. Would you take a chance Real quickly, can I, I'm going to go back through all four real quickly. Grab your outline. Read them with me real quickly. The church that God blesses, and I just want you to fill in the blank, but do it full voice with me. Number one, pray for God's power. Say it out loud. Pray for God's power. Use everybody's language. They employ every member's talents. They're devoted to God's word. They love each other deeply. They worship with joy. They're willing to sacrifice, and they bring their friends to Jesus. Watch this. I forgot something way back in point number four that I've got to mention. I can't let it slip by today. In two weeks, I'm going to launch a series, and it's going to be called The God Questions. And it's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a question that's about the biggest questions you have in life. We're going to send out a mailer, and it's going to hit 11,000 homes in our area. And there are going to be people come to this church that have never been to church before, or never, some of them never, certainly never been to this church before. Some of them giving up on God. Some of them giving up on God's church. Some of them just saying, hey, maybe I can try again. And we're going to invite people to church. What's more, 
we're going to invite people to ask tough questions. So some of those questions in that series that I'm going to start dealing with, one of them is, if God's for real, how can I really know it? I mean, he's an invisible God, and I, I can't hear him. How do I, how do I really know that God's real? Another one of those questions I'm going to deal with that people have all the time is, don't all roads lead to Rome? I mean, don't, what are all these religions about, and, and, and how do you get to heaven? Another one is, is this. If God is good, why would a good God allow evil and suffering in our world? I'm going to deal for a whole series around the big God questions. And we're going to invite people to ask questions and to submit them. You can ask your questions. And every week I'm going to take some, some random questions before I even get into the big God question for the day. I was meeting with a team of people yesterday morning. We were, we were prayerfully praying about what the fall was. And, and we believe that it's important that if people don't have a Bible, like those third graders this morning, that we give them a Bible. And so they said, well, if you're gonna, one of those questions is, can I trust the Bible? What is the Bible? And is it really true? And that team of people looked at me and they said, you know what? We need to put Bibles in that lobby out there and we need to be a church that says, not only says we're devoted to God's Word, but we plant God's Word one of them said it this way, why don't, we, why don't we act like Gideons and why don't we just give Bibles away this fall? And I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool, you know. And then I looked at them and I said, well, how are we going to afford that? And they said, do you know how many of our church just have Bibles laying around? Maybe you'd bring your Bible. Maybe you'd plant a seed in somebody else's life. I said, yeah, why don't we do that? So here's what I want. Next Sunday, I want to invite you, and possibly the 14th if you haven't done it already, I want to invite you to grab a Bible off your shelf and bring it. We are going to buy a number of Bibles. We'll have more Bibles out there, but we are expecting to plant the Word of God in people's lives because it is powerful to change lives. Would you be a part of that? Don't forget, okay? Go home and get a Bible. Next Sunday, bring it. We'll have a table in the lobby. You can put that table, that Bible, right there on that table, and we'll give it away this fall. Guys, God's got great things in front of us. Great things. I want to be a church, and I want to be a part of a church that is blessed by God. I believe you too. You do too. Let's give God all we got. Would you pray with me? Fathers, our children, get ready to come in for Holy Communion. Thank you for your word today. It's a reminder to us of the church we want to be and the church that you bless. I pray, God, for your blessing over our church. I pray that those cards, as they start to land in people's mailboxes, would reach people that are lost. But it's more important, Lord, it's more important for us to understand that it is far more fruitful for people to, to find a church or to give you a chance, again, when not when a card lands in their mailbox, but when we talk their language and when we invite them into this Christian life. So, Lord, give us the words to speak and help us use our talents and help us give our all for what you're doing in this church. And may we see the miraculous signs and wonders of your presence. This is our prayer, Lord Jesus. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to invite our children in, and I'm going to invite you to do this for me. Uh, you guys are always incredibly respectful, and I preached a little bit long today. But we have a moment of holy communion here, and we're going to invite, as our children come in, we're going to invite our children to join us. And we're not going to rush this. We're going to take the regular time we normally take for families and individuals just to bow at the altar and make space for themselves. So um, if you're going to be serving Holy Communion, would you come on to the tables and would you prepare to serve this morning for us? Hey, good morning, kids. Come on in. Good morning.